0: No, it's my job. Can you close that door? Can you close the door? Okay, everyone, listen up. I'm Megan. Hi, i <laughs> Hi, welcome to TK's. How's everyone doing? Good, perfect. Love it. Okay, a couple uh, housekeeping things. First of all, the fall party is in four weeks. Uh, the, junior, the junior and senior boys are the defending champions. Yep. At least the seniors are. The seniors are the defending champions. Uh, you, the th- overall theme is decades. I have already told many of you, or a couple weeks ago we told you uh, what your themes were, but I think we should probably do a refresher. Junior high, Boys, you are the... 80s. 80s. Junior high girls, you are the... 80s. Freshmen and sophomore ladies, you guys are... 70s. 70s. Freshmen and sophomore boys, 40s. Right? 1940s, baby. The 1940s. The 11th and 12th grade ladies, you guys are... The 2000s. Abercrombie me Fitch holster. Uh, And then we've got the ninth and tenth. Nope, 11th and 12th grade boys. You are the 90s. It's the last time the Raiders were good. Okay. uh, Second thing. Let's talk rules. I haven't gone over this since the fall started. So rules for Thursday nights. uh, Pretty much. The boundaries of the church for you guys are everything on this side of the church. So really just the parking lot and these, uh, really just the chapel, the grove, and then your classrooms when you're in there. Basically, a general rule of thumb is stay on this side unless you are with an adult leader, for instance, playing gaga ball. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes. Everything the light touches is your kingdom. Uh, And then let's talk also about uh, purple. We've talked about it before. Guys are blue, girls are what? Red. Or red. And they don't come together to make purple. They do not come together to make purple. Also known as no purple. Otherwise, we will be pausing our study on the problems of the heart and watching Sex, Lies, and the Truth by Focus on Family, uh, which is an entertaining and powerful 30 minute video from the doesn't have the year on it late 80s early 90s that's my guess Kirk Cameron and Chelsea Noble from TV's growing pains along with professional athletes entertainers and celebrities communicate the life saving message it doesn't say the gospel (laughs) (laughs) almost right uh, so we will watch this, much to your dismay, with your parents, if, if we don't uh, follow the rules. Make sense? Good. Also, hold on, listen up, listen up. Also, if you are corrected by an adult leader or are great security team on going somewhere or doing something and they tell you not to do it make sure you are respecting them in your response you may not like it but that's the rules and to be honest you don't have to be here this is not a requirement no school credit so make sense bueno okay as you all know based off of last week okay i don't want to to yell anymore as you all know based off last week we have finished romans and now we are moving into our study on the problems of the heart, where we will spend seven to eight weeks, I don't remember the math, looking at different topics and, uh, and the common problems, the, the sinful desires of the heart that most people struggle with at some point in their lives. Topics like anxiety, uh, anger, depression, um, escapism, which is most often laziness. Uh, ang- Did I say anger? I think I said anger. Uh, addiction topics like this where we really get very practical and look at what scripture has to say about these things because i know that i've struggled with pretty much every category i listed here um so i'm sure that and i know that many of you are struggling with that as well so we will spend the next seven to eight weeks doing that and then we will break for christmas and uh, new year's and be back in january make sense Did I miss any announcements, leaders? Oh, no, did I miss any announcements? (laughs) Very good. Okay, let's pray, and then we'll jump in. God, thank you for your word and and the way that it uh, shapes us and guides us and tells us how we... Uh, operate according to how you 've created us, Lord. I pray that tonight, as we talk about the heart and how it functions and and the way that we operate that it would help us to live lives that are pleasing to you. I pray that uh, you 'd open up our hearts to your word that our time in our small group would be glorifying to you and and edifying to each other, Lord in jesus name, amen, amen. so the reason that that I really picked uh, this this topic, especially. Tonight we're going to talk about the heart and how it functions. We're not getting into any of the specific topics. It'll be more of a lecture and less of a sermon. But the reason that we're talking about it is because there are situations in our lives, a common question you might ask yourself after you've sinned or really after you've sinned or reacted negatively in a situation is, why did I do that? You may not ask it yourself. Your parents may ask you, and I'm sure they've asked you, what were you thinking? Well, that was a lot more agreement than I thought was going to be there. Uh, that is something that I remember when I was in high school, my dad constantly asking me that. What were you thinking? Why did you do that? I never really had a good response. And script, but scripture, thankfully, gives us, uh, enlightens us to why we get angry when our parents tell us what to do why we get uh, mad when our sister makes fun of us, or when I'm told to do my homework instead of hanging out with my friends, why do I react sinfully in different situations and circumstances? Why are there situations when I act righteously, and then why are there ones where I don't? Thankfully, Scripture has made it clear that the source of this is the heart. It's also made it clear how our heart functions, This question of why do we do what we do is a completely fair question. Jeremiah 17, 9-10 says that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. God even says, who can understand it? He really answers the question himself that God is the only one that can fully understand our hearts. We can understand a lot about our hearts. But even you can ask your leaders that they are still wrestling with sin, still asking themselves, why did I do that in that situation? Why did that lead me into sin? In order to address our sin, which is a major part of sanctification. and in order, to, in order to address our sin, we must address our hearts. Because getting rid of our sin is more than just addressing the behavior, but we have to get down to the heart itself. That's what Jesus is saying in Matthew 5. We went through the Sermon on the Mount recently, and he says it's not enough that you haven't murdered, but if you've been angry with your brother in your heart, then you are committing the same sin. Obviously not to the same degree, but you are still sinning in your heart even if you haven't murdered him. Or if you've lusted after someone, you are still committing adultery. He shows us that our hearts are where the sin begins. And that's why the Bible emphasizes the fact that we're given new hearts by God when we profess faith. When we are given faith, when we are justified in the eyes of God, he gives us a new heart. Because before our hearts were stoned doing whatever we wanted to do. Suppressing the truth and unrighteousness, living how we wanted to live, contrary to how God has called us to live. Before salvation, we were set in our ways of sin. But God intervenes, gives us new hearts, and we've been over this a bunch of times in Romans. He gives us new hearts that long to obey. A heart of flesh that is operating, or that begins to operate, the way that God intended but, to, do, but to, to work on our hearts, we must understand the way that it works. The way that God has created our hearts to function. And like we've already said, the heart is difficult to understand. It's difficult, but not impossible. Proverbs 20 verse 5 says, The purpose in a man's heart is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. Saying that the, 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 uh, our hearts are like the ocean where you can't see all the way down. You can see some surface stuff, but it just the dar- deeper it gets, the darker it gets, the harder it is to see. But a man of understanding, someone who is wise, will draw it out. Someone who, who has been given wisdom, and where does wisdom come from? God, when someone who has been given wisdom from God, who knows our hearts, is able to draw out what is in the depths of the heart. And in trying to understand our hearts, we are really looking to answer questions like, how do I respond in different situations? What am I hoping to gain here? Why am I reacting this way? Why am I feeling this way? Why am I thinking this way? What am I really wanting and how am I trying to get it? It's quite, it's, it's honestly simple. Everything that occurs within us occurs within our hearts. In our current culture, we've separated the heart and the mind and the will. But if you look at scripture, all of these things are together. All of these things go together under the umbrella of the heart. Every act, thought, desire that flows within us is, is spirit, is, uh, um, sorry, it flows from within us. And it flows within our heart, every choice, even impulsive ones, even ones that you don't think about. Like when you first pull out your phone, have you ever pulled out your phone and then to do something and then all of a sudden you're on social media or you're texting someone and you didn't, you're not doing what you intended to do? Yeah. We, have so, <laughs> we have so trained ourselves that we go to specific things as soon as we open our phone. And that's an example of we are seeking a desire, we are seeking to be satisfied in a certain way, and we don't even have to think about it. And all of a sudden you're like, "What am I? why am I on Instagram? Why am I suddenly on TikTok? I was supposed to text my mom that it's time to pick me up. Our hearts function in thought, act, and emotion. And it sounds simple, but it begins to be complex. And uh, this... this diagram or this model that we're going to talk about tonight is called the dynamic heart comes from one of my professors at southern jeremy pierre if you were at sunday night service a couple of weeks ago um craig bauer talked about the same a similar model covers the same topics it's just a slightly different way of of looking at it but it it functions the same it is not any different it's not that i'm disagreeing with him but there are three main functions, or th- really just three functions of the heart. And you've got the cognitive can everyone read that? Yes. yes. Oh. Cognitive, affective. Oh, I almost spelled that wrong. And the volition, which are just fancy academic ways of saying thinking, feelings and desires and the will acting with cognitive you got thinking knowing believing reasoning remembering interpreting really that logical part of you with affective you've got desiring valuing uh, a feeling and emoting the emotional side of you and then with volition you have willing deciding intending committing and acting does that all make sense Perfect. So we'll, we'll go through each one of these uh, one at a time, starting with cognitive. So, this is what, what is often known as the mind or called the mind. And that's when this is where we have to almost expand our scope because when we think of the heart, what do we, as Americans in 2023, what do we most often think of when we think of the heart? Love, emotion, just be true to your heart, ignore what you're thinking. Um, But in scripture, like I said, our minds are included within our hearts. When the heart is functioning, it includes the thinking part. Could I have someone read Matthew uh, chapter 9, verse 4? Anyone want to take Matthew 9, verse 4? Lincoln. And then someone else take Luke chapter 9, verse 47. Bella. And then 2 Corinthians 4, 6. Bingo. Okay, Lincoln, you ready? Matthew nine four. Right. Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil in your hearts? Did you hear what, what Lincoln read there? Jesus knew their thoughts and said, Why do you think evil in your where? Hearts, hearts. hearts thank you. Luke nine forty seven. Uh uh nine forty seven. What did Jesus say? He knows, It says he, Jesus knew the what reasoning of what their hearts. Thank you. And then 2 Corinthians four six. For God who said, "Let light shine out of the, out of darkness," has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Thank you. Where is the light of the knowledge located? Hearts. Do you guys see what Scripture is saying about our hearts? That our thoughts are within our hearts. God's clearly made us to be thinking beings, but not just thinking beings. You know that you can't just educate yourself out of a problem. You can't be educated out out of your sin. Otherwise, that would make preaching just super easy. I could just read the Ten Commandments every week, and you guys would stop sinning. We would all stop sinning, right? But that is not how we operate. We've also been corrupted. There's, we'll get to sin and, and uh, what the sin has done to our hearts. But we are thinking beings, and knowledge is part of our hearts. Knowledge is essential to fighting against our sin. Knowledge is essential to putting our faith in God. Because we are given knowledge of Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? You guys see the heart and knowledge? Good. I didn't even look up. Do you guys see the heart and knowledge? Heart and thinking, thank you, good. Okay, second one is affective. We are feeling beings. I'm gonna just write Matthew 9. There you go, that's one verse out of the three. Uh, we are feeling beings as well. We have strong desires and emotions and those motivate us. When our current, the current spirit of the age or the current way our world operates is that our feelings are our best guide, Right? We're told to be, just be true to our hearts. Our hearts, that's like 98% of Disney movies is talking about following your heart, doing what your heart desires. And we have really bought into that. We often act out of our emotions, especially at your guys' age. How often have you been told over and over and over again by your parents to think before you act? Yes, a lot. (laughs) Thank you, Malachi, for being honest. Uh, He knows himself. Um, we often act out of our emotions. We don't think before acting. That's dangerous because our emotions can be easily deceived. Even our thinking can be easily deceived, but our emotions especially can be easily deceived. Even in, in, uh, in the worship services, you can be easily deceived. I, I used to work at a church camp, and the guy that would run lighting told me that he could make people feel, and it's true, he could make people feel whatever emotion he wanted based off of lighting, uh, the amount of fog in the room, and even song choice. Our emotions can be easily deceived, far, far more easily deceived than we realize. So it's important that we understand that our emotions can drive us more than we want. And it's not that emotions are bad. God created emotions. God even has emotions. Why did God Jesus, why did God send Jesus to the cross? John 3:16 Travis For God so loved the world and so we also see God's anger we just read I mean one of my favorite books Hosea you see God's love for his people but also his anger at them turning from him right So God we know has emotions and he's clearly made us to be emotional beings but we must operate and function as God has designed us to just like our minds it's really easy to get behind thinking or believing that God has created us in a, in a thinking way, so our thinking must operate as he's intended, but our emotions are a lot harder to rein in. Let's look at Matthew. Could I have someone read Matthew 6.21? Travis? And then I need John 16.6. Simon, uh, Ben, can you do Matthew 16, or sorry, John 16, 22? Okay, who, who did I call him first? I don't remember. Travis. For where your heart is, there, where your treasure is, there, your heart will be also. That is saying that our desires, what we desire is where our hearts will be. That our desires are a part of our heart. Okay, let's go with the next verse which is John sixteen six. But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Okay. Sorrow has filled your heart. Okay, Ben? So also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. Thank you. Our thinking hearts also include emotions. What we believe about something is a huge determining factor in our emotional reaction. Just watch sports. People believe that their team should win, and then you see them crying in the stands after they lose. That's just an easy, easy uh, picture of that. Especially the Raiders fans. I heard whispers. (laughs) Uh, Okay, volition. Let's talk about, does anyone have questions about feeling or thinking? Yes, Summer. What were the verses again? For which one? For um I know one of them was John 16:6. 6. And then we have John 16:22 mm-hmm. and then Matthew 6:21. Thank you. Mhm. Volition, we are also choosing beings we make decisions, we intend to do stuff, we commit to do stuff and we act. We uh we really live out are what we think and, and what we desire. Could someone read Matthew 15:8? Matthew 15:8. Yes. Jessica. Go for it. Oh, not there yet. Sorry. Yeah. So what we see there in Matthew fifteen eight is is Jesus saying that, or God saying, that the people honor him with their lips, but their hearts are far from him. And what we see there is that there is a disparity between what they their actions look like, but in their depths of their heart, they're they're acting in that way for something other than glorifying God. What we know is there's there's pride, there's ego. Uh, especially in those things. They want to be seen well by others. So we act out of what's going on within our hearts. Jesus also says, out of overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Thank you. That what's going on in our hearts comes out of us, especially in the way that we speak. And that is part of acting. Does that make sense? I don't feel like I have to go over that one super in depth. Do we have questions about, think, or about our acting hearts? Nothing? Good okay so let's put this uh, let's let's put, look at this in an illustration how many of you guys have given a school presentation before? how many of you were nervous for that school presentation so here is an example of how that how that might be coming up so thinking how are you interpreting the situation you have some belief that you're that your performance in this, uh, in this setting of, the school, of a school presentation is important for your grades, uh, for what your friends think, what your teacher thinks. And because of that belief, because of that knowledge of what's going on, of, of the stakes of your presentation, you, are, you know the importance, so you're nervous, right? So then you're feeling, you start, uh, you, you are nervous, you feel nervous, you... Um, or worried about it, so that comes out with hard time sleeping, you're shifty, you might stutter, you might say um a lot in your school presentation, or even before that, how do you act? Do you shut down and put it off until the last second, lying to yourself, saying that you work better under pressure, or do you become psychotic about it and over-prepare? I mean, these are just you guys see how that all works together? And it doesn't have to start with thinking, then feeling, then uh, acting. It could start with feeling, then thinking, then acting. That your feelings can affect the way you think about something, and then um, that brings out a different way of acting. Does that all make sense? Do you guys see how all of this fits together? All three of these areas, as we know, have been corrupted by sin, though. So we don't think... As God has intended us to think, we're blinded by our sin. Scripture says a lot. We believe in lies, and that awakens certain desires within us. And you see, that's where so you see the thinking, and then the uh, affect of the passions, the emotions, and you act upon those desires, thinking that what you're doing is right. You can see this in the fall. That's that's a super easy example to look at, and it's interesting to see how often what we believe affects everything else. So if you look at the fall, Eve believed what the serpent had said. She believed a lie and that awoke a desire within her and Adam, because he believed it as well, that was sinful. A desire to be like God. A desire for this fruit, a desire for the knowledge of good and evil, something that God had forbidden. And instead of believing that what God wanted was right, was good for them, they believed what the serpent said, and so they acted upon those desires which led to eating the fruit. Do you see how this makes this all comes together? And it all comes together with the sin in your lives as well. That you want to be seen, you believe it's important to be seen as, as uh, important or popular or well-liked or better than someone else. So you feel, you feel that desire for that that we're supposed to be greater than other people, so you sin in ways like slander, or you believe that, um, that you are supposed to... Um, I'm running out of an illustration. I should have written these down. Anyways, you see how all of this comes together. How we think about sin is, not, is important because it's not just breaking a legal code from God. It's a failure to believe that God is who he says he is, and a failure to believe that the way that he says to do things is best. All sin at the root is unfaithfulness to God. Romans 1 shows us this, that we reject the creator, we suppress the truth and unrighteousness, and that blinds us in our sin. That is something we are still fighting, even if you've put your faith in Jesus Christ and you have been given a new heart. You are still rooting out the sin in your lives. It's important that we understand our hearts function this way because that's, it, it is key to how we fight against sin. Because if we're just addressing the behavior, we aren't getting to the core of the sin. I've used this illustration often, but it's like gardening. If you just take off the, uh, the top of the weed, you don't get to the roots, what's going to happen? It's going to grow back. It's the same way with our sin. If we don't address the root, our sinful desires... That sin is going to manifest itself again, either in the same way or in a different way. Does that make sense? You might not yell at your siblings when they make fun of you or embarrass you or do something that annoys you. You could just be be a silent, bitter brother or sister to your siblings. You could just close yourself off to them and and cut them off because that's the healthy thing to do. Our sin manifests itself in in a variety of different ways, even though it's the same sin. Explosive anger is the same sin as bitterness, the same core issue. All sin at its root is unfaithfulness to God. So what do we do with this model? How how are we supposed to apply apply this to our lives? First, you got to be sanctified. That starts by putting your faith in Christ. Trusting that what he has done on the cross is sufficient to cover your sins, knowing that what you do will never earn you righteousness. And you put your faith in Jesus and follow him as your Lord and Savior. And when you've put your faith in Christ, then God gives you a new heart that will long to obey him, that, will be, that is ready to function as he has called us to live. And so when you have that faith, it really changes every aspect of your heart. You, you think differently. You begin to see the way or see the world as God sees it. You're given wisdom for discernment. We often we will call uh, wisdom knowledge applied. That we are applying the knowledge of God and the way that the world operates to our lives and to, what, to the situations that God has put us in. We are able to discern spiritual truths about God and we are able to discern the way the world operates and how we're supposed to live in it. Because that is a hard thing to, to do is to live in this world that's corrupted by sin and make righteous choices. Because we we're confronted with situations every single day. More often than not, they're easily discernible. But there are big ones that are difficult to discern, especially as our, the, with the way or the direction our world is going. A growing faith requires a growing knowledge of God. And if you want to live how God intended, you have to know him. So we have a thinking faith. Our faith isn't just one where it's, it's, you know who Jesus is, you know what he did for you, you put your faith in him and you're good. We are called to work out our salvation, that we are continually growing. God has made us a, a thinking creation. So we must continue to learn so that's a thinking faith. We're also we have a desiring faith. We're given a new set of of values, new set of desires that shape and conform to God's image. Look, uh, look with me at Psalm chapter seventy three, verses twenty five to twenty six. Psalm Psalm 73, 25 to 26 says, Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forevermore. That's the point that we should all be striving to. We should all be striving that in every desire of our heart, It conforms to the image of God and that our ultimate desire is him. It's not that way all the time, which is why we sin. But we must be working so it is that way, working towards the point where it is that way all the time. We we won't get it in this life, but we will be sanctified where our desires are for God and for his ways and so that he would be glorified. We must learn to desire what God desires and we repent of bad desires. When's the last time you, were, you repented of a sinful desire? Not just a sinful action. We repent of sinful desires and even, even desires wrongly prioritized. And we put on the desires of the spirit. So that's, that is a, a desiring faith. That's the affective part. That brings us to a committed faith. We are given um, commandments that we are supposed to follow and supposed to live out. First Peter 1.13 talks about that there are certain desires corrupted by a lack of the knowledge of the gospel. Let's look at that real quick. You don't need to turn there, but I'll just read it. First, uh, First Peter 1.13 says, Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace of will be brought to you at the revelation of jesus christ we are committed to that and everything we do is shaped by jesus christ and a desire for him we live differently because we believe in the gospel because we know who god is and our fear of him drives that it's not a, a shivering shaking fear of god but it is a reverence and a knowledge of who he is. A heart that is more and more clear of sin is going to go to God and believe the promises of his salvation and want that more than the false promises of this world. But that requires us to act as well as God acting in our lives. Philippians 2, 12 to 13 says, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. There's a two, there's a command there to work out your salvation, knowing that God works within us. We need God's help. Jeremiah 17, 9 to 10, again, I'll read it. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind, to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. God knows the depths of our hearts. He can see its ways, but he also gives us the wisdom to understand our own hearts. The purpose in a man's heart is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. We need God's wisdom to know our hearts, to see how we function, so that's the first thing. The, the reason this is important is to be sanctified, but it's also important so we can fight to kill sin. I've already touched on this already, so I won't spend much time here, but Romans twelve two says, do not be conformed to, the, uh, to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. We must conform our minds, our hearts, to God, to the mind of God, so that we can discern the will of God, so we can know what would be pleasing to him in every situation. Killing sin and turning to obedience means that we are working on our hearts, that we are working hard to see what, what desires uh, are causing us to act certain ways, what false, really just lies, what lies we are believing that are affecting our desires, that are affecting our actions. We must know our hearts. And that's why this is so important. As we go through the problems of the heart, we will keep coming back to this. Because there are lies that we believe that affect the things that we feel, which is why we get explosively mad at at the people around us. Or why we try to escape the stresses of life through video games, through social media, through binging TV shows or hanging out with our friends. Why we are so anxious, why we become depressed. All of this comes back to the heart. That's why this is so important. And There's a lot more that can be said. I'm really only scratching the surface here, but this is sufficient for our study uh, the rest of this fall. Do you guys have any questions about this? before we conclude. All right, let's pray and then you guys can go to your small groups. God, thank you for, for all that you have done for us, for how you've revealed uh, the way that we operate, the way that we have been created to us so we could, so we could uh, work alongside you to be conformed to your will, to your heart, Lord. I pray that we would remember this as we struggle in our fight against sin and that we would remember that all of this is for your glory. Not so that we could be more in line with scripture by itself, but so that you can be glorified as our lives are living sacrifices for you. Thank you for who you are and all you have done for us. In Jesus' name, amen.